Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We bless you. I pray as we go to your word, Lord, that your anointing and the power of your word would come forth. We honor your word and we honor the word, the place the word has in our lives and in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Am I good? Wonderful. All right. We're speaking about fasting, and uh, I just wanted to tell you a quick testimony. I always, I heard a testimony, I've heard it uh, a couple years ago, I heard it again, and it just stirred my heart, and I just wanted to tell it to break some of our boxes. Uh, uh, it's by the a gentleman by the name of Todd White, who knows Todd White? Okay, some people, I encourage you to go look up some of his stuff, he will challenge you greatly. He went into a Walmart, and, uh, and there were three witches uh, when they got there, these witches got out of a car next to him and his wife. And for eight months, he was so, uh, so much tenacity to pray for people. It just in life, he's got a website called Li Lifestyle Christianity. He travels the world. It's a great, great guy. For me, I think he's the real deal. He's got these long dreadlocks. I mean, he's kind of crazy. He's awesome, you know. And, uh, and so he gets out of the car and his wife goes, oh, wow, look at the witches. You know, like a normal person. He goes, oh, awesome. Because he sees an opportunity, everyone sees them, he sees, oh, God can do great things here. And there was such a battle between them, uh, between them, that she wouldn't go to the store with him for eight months. Because he couldn't go to the store without, you know, doing something and embarrassed her. So she, they had a big fight about it, and marriage had to actually be reconciled, because God was using him so much. And she eventually saw that it was God. It's a very funny story. But so he goes to Walmart, and there's these three witches that get out of the car, and he says, this is awesome. And she says, Todd, behave. And he says, babe, come on. they like witches. Let's go get them, you know. And she says, uh, no. So she says, so they go into the store, and she goes to the, some, and he goes to the other side. <laughs> and they go in, and his little daughter's with him. And so I'm going to say stuff that's going to shake you, break some. His little girl... And she says, Daddy, let's go. So he says, all right, let's go. So off they go, and they go find these three people. And he says, uh, you know, because they, I mean, he says they were in the part. They had the long flowing gowns, the fingertips, the pentagram, the whole deal. The tattoo down the face, you know, and the whole thing. So they go. So he says, uh, you know, I just want to tell you that I, I think you guys are great. And they go, Okay. And he says, and uh, I know that you have, he said, and he spoke their language. He said, supernaturally, I know that you have three discs in your back, that it's just a word of knowledge, and right now this part of your leg is numb and this is going on. And uh, she said, uh-huh. So he goes, so I just, you know, we can fix it real fast. And she goes, uh-huh, how? He said, I'm going to pray for you. And she says, you don't know who I am. He says, I don't care who you are. So he goes, well, I told you, you didn't tell me, I told you. So, I mean, you should let me at least pray for you. She says, I don't believe what you believe. So this is to throw some stuff in your theology. He says, I don't care what you believe. He says, let me just try, you know. He says, what do you have to lose? So she says, fine. He prays for her. He says, now this again, break out some of your boxes. He says, all right, you two girls, it's two like her, like protégés. He says, lay hands on her. Witches laying hands on witches. So they go, okay. <laughs> Touch her. And he puts his hand on their hand. He says, repeat after me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Be healed in Jesus' name. And they're repeating. Be healed in Jesus' name. Fire goes all up and down this woman's leg, up her spine, all the stuff. She gets instantly healed. 
and she goes, I don't believe what happened. He goes, uh, I mean, it happened. So they have this interesting conversation, and he says, and he turns to the one lady, he goes, you have an issue with your throat or neck? And she's, now she's excited. She says, yeah, 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 with my throat. But trying not to be too excited because her master is there, you know. And so they pray for her, and God touches her and all these things. And she says, you, you don't understand who I am. I'm the high priestess of the coven of the Satanist church in America. And he says, I don't care. God loves you. She breaks down, God moves, powerful. Just God has all authority, friends. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go and do those things. <laughs> you have to believe and walk what he's done, okay? If God says, go for it. If he doesn't, stay away. <laughs> just, we can get into that. But just God is bigger than our boxes. Amen? And I just, that's for me, I think, where I want to just head personally, say, God, it's just in our lifestyle. Amen. So, just a quick testimony. Now, we're speaking about fasting. Derek Prince opened a session about fasting. They asked him after 55 years of ministry, they said to him, what do you think is some of the things that you've learned after 55 years of ministry? And he started a series. Out of that question, he, called, uh, he, he launched a series called um, Secrets to Answer Prayer. And he started the second session, which the congregation didn't know was about fasting. So you guys, you know, you have the cheat script. You guys know what it's about. But he says this. This is how we start. Quote, in this session, I am going to continue with some of the secrets of answered prayer. This is right at the end of his life. And although he says, in fact, I'm going to deal with one specific major key to effective praying. And although this, is, this major key is clearly presented in the Old Testament and right through the New, I think the majority of Christians are unaware that it exists. The failure to use this key, after 55 years of ministry, listen to this sentence, the failure to use this key is one, of the main, is one main source of ineffectiveness in the body of Christ in America today. No doubt you are wondering what the key is. He says, but I can tell you this. When you hear it, you are not likely to say, oh, praise the Lord. That's what he said. And he went into a teaching on fasting. And as we taught last week, I really believe, friends, God has given us a key. It's a key that you approach with faith. And sometimes we are called to turn this key. And this key is fasting. And we went over that last week. How do I approach fasting? Because as much as we think we know what fasting is, it's just, well, I'm not going to eat for a while. I've come to understand, and God, friends, God has gripped my heart. God has, but God has really gripped my heart with this thing of fasting. Friends, I've fasted for years, and, and I've fasted many times, and I've grown up in a household where there's lots of fasting. But this time now, I don't know what it is. God has grabbed my attention. You know when that happens to you. It's just grabbed my attention with the power of fasting. And uh, I know that he's challenged me to be more, live a, more of a fasted lifestyle. But the funny thing, it hasn't even come like a conviction. It hasn't come like this conviction. It's come with an excitement. I never thought I'd be excited to fast. And I'm so excited about these 21 days because I can feel what God wants to do in the spirit. It doesn't mean I'm saying, yay, hunger. I just love it. But I'm, uh, there's an excitement in me for what God can do through the power of fasting. And as I've gone to the word, I've come to understand my goodness, there's so much to fasting that we just don't know. That we just don't know. Um, so I, I always 
leave this chart and I never get to it because it's always kind of something just to help you at the end. So I thought I'm going to be controversial. I'm just going to do it in the beginning to get through it. So I wonder if you could throw that chart up. You might not be able to see it. I'll read it to you. I wrote this many years ago and I've added to it over the years. And uh, I presented this first time to you guys in 2008 in the cafeteria. I remember preaching on this. Let me just say this. Jesus preached more on fasting than he did on baptism and the Lord's Supper. He spoke more about fasting than he did on baptism and the Lord's Supper. I'm not saying one is more important than the other. I'm, not, I'm just telling you a fact. When you, have, when you fast, now there's a sensitivity that begins to grow. Okay? In the natural and in the spirit. And what I'm talking about this morning is a little bit more of a prolonged fast. I'm not saying that you're more spiritual if you fast longer. I'm not saying you're better if you fast longer. But the fact remains that when you fast a little longer, certain sensitivities begin to take place. Amen? And this is what starts to happen. In the natural, you become more sensitive to food. Your taste buds, your stomach. You'll notice you cannot just eat whatever you want. Salt, your food doesn't eat as much, certain things. In the, in the spiritual, what is your food? The Word of God. When you fast in the spirit... You begin to get revelation out of this like you haven't maybe for a long, long, long time. I'll be very vulnerable with you. This week, as I began to read scripture, I've always had a passion and a hunger for scripture. I'm a teacher. That's who I am. But there's seasons in your life where you go through, you read to study to preach. You read to study to help. You read. I have, you can ask my wife, this week, I just, it's like I cannot put it down. I feel like I did when I first got saved. Just devour scripture. And I'm just so exciting to me. The Lord said to me, we were in the middle of a conversation, I said, sorry, babe, I just feel like the Lord's dropped in my heart. I need to go read the book of Esther. I went and read the whole book of Esther in like 15, 20 minutes. It's not that long. And just gripped my heart. Because the spirit, your spirit starts to come up. Uh, in the natural, you can become increased, increased sensitivity to the elements. You get cold when you fast. You do, you get... And actually, you get, if you go in the sun, you get sunburned very easily when you fast, very easily. In the spirit, you get increased sensitivity to his work. You can just pick things up, just like that. In the natural, old issues and pains will spring up as the blood will actually go throughout your body because it's not digesting food and will try to start to cleanse. So old issues, old injuries, you'll feel old things begin to come up in your body. It's actually God sorting it out. It's got a natural way. Your blood will begin to go there and cleanse things and fix it up. In the spirit, it's not that exciting. Old issues begin to come up in your heart. Old offenses, old hurts, old insecurity. Stuff begins to rise. Derek Prince said this, When you fast, problems arise in the natural and in the spirit. The problems were already there, so don't blame the fasting. <laughs> he said, it just brings them out. But it brings them out to get rid of it, because so that you can move on. In the natural, it makes no sense to the world whatsoever. None. Why are you doing this? None. In the spirit, we try to be not of the world, to bring that reality down. Because fasting, I said, when you approach fasting, you approach it with faith. And faith is knowing that what we cannot see is more real than what we can see. Thank you. One amen. I don't know. Bev loving you this morning. All right. In, this, in the natural, makes you lean. 
Yay. I could use some of that. In the natural, it makes you lean. In the spirit, it, it's, less, it's more deliberate, more focus, purpose. It's not just your relationship with the Lord. It's, it becomes channeled. In the natural, your flesh begins to suffer. It's true. In the, in the spirit, your spirit begins to soar. It's a fact. In the natural, it causes you to be hungry physically, obviously. Eventually, your hunger will shut down, and it will go away. If you fast, just water. Your hunger will shut down. Three or four or five days after water, your hunger will actually disappear. You may not believe me, it will go away. Your headaches, if you're a coffee drinker, bless you, because so am I. If you're a tea drinker, I feel sorry for you. But if you're a coffee drinker, you might get some headaches and so forth. But that'll all go away after a few days. Your hunger begins to shut down. And I listened to a guy, a gentleman, uh, he's a fasting expert, lives a fasted life, and he says, the Bible says that after 40 days, Jesus hungered. It doesn't say he thirsted, he hungered. And he said, when you go on a prolonged fast, for those of you who've done it, there's some people in our midst who've done multiple 40-day fasts. I'm not going to say it because we think so natural. <gasps> They're more spiritual. No, God told them to. But when you go on a long fast, just with water, your hunger will shut down. And it'll shut down. Sometimes there was a lady who did 60 days, many times fasting, just water. And the world says that's impossible. Doctors, it's impossible. But they said, once you go on a long fast, it could be 10 days, 20 days, 30 days, whatever it may be. When you start to hunger again, it's not the occasional habitual hunger that around a meal time or something. Or it's a different level of hunger. You're like, I need to eat now. And that's when your blood is gone. You've, you've cleansed your system. Everything's gone. You feel better. You have energy, you're not hungry, all these things. I'm gonna, but, and then all of a sudden your body starts to hunger again. And that's when you should eat. That's for a very prolonged fast. It's very interesting. In the spirit, you also get hungry again. You know, hunger is a gift. Hunger for the Lord, it's like you cannot make it up. Everyone wants to want God. Fasting is the, one of the ways to want God again. In the natural, over time, it's like a fog lifts off your thinking. You know when your thing is just clouded, so much going, it's like a fog begins to lift. And in the spirit, there's a, there's a sharpness, there's a crisp, it's clear, clarity. In the natural, you go through detox, like I said, and that sometimes is unpleasant. I believe in the Bible that it was much easier for them to fast, because they didn't have Monsanto. They didn't have all the chemicals and all the stuff and all the junk that we eat. They ate fruits, vegetables, meat that they kill. I mean, it was natural, good food. Marina's loving what I'm saying now. She's that whole. If they ate that stuff, and so it wasn't all the stuff that had to come out of them. But today it's a little harder. It just shows us what we eat and so forth. But in the spirit, toxic habits and thinking begins to depart. It detoxifies the way you think. They say after seven days of water, physically, your brain, only after seven days of water, your brain starts to detox. Interesting. Yeah? Very interesting. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you how you got to fast. That's just what I find over years. That's what starts to happen. So, now, today we're going to go into some new territory. Help me, Lord, to find the time. <clears throat> we're going to go over some new territory. I want to do, again, a bit more of a teaching for one purpose, to put a hunger and an expectation for you to fast but for you to fast correctly. And that sounds like legalism, but when you fast correctly, there's liberation in it.
and there's expectation in it. And I want to show you what the word says. It's far more than just not eating. So we went over last week, why did they fast? Why did we fast? Why did they fast in scripture? Why did we fast? If you could throw up the list. I don't have time to get into this. Uh, let me just say, I've loved the emails. I've had never had so many people respond to me about fasting. I've got about 10 or so emails. Watch this or look at this or look at this article, look at this video. People texting me already. I've had this breakthrough of it. Just excitement in the body to fast. It's wonderful. I love it, so thank you. Keep it coming. Those are all the reasons they fasted. There's even more, but to humble yourselves, to draw near to the Lord, and to intercede for others. Those I personally call the essence of fasting, being to humble yourselves being the most important one. For God's intervention, for God's intervention in times of crisis and calamity, times of mourning, to return in our heart to the Lord when we have wandered away, when you need direction for your life, to seek healing, all forms of healing, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional. Uh, or deliverance from evil spirits, setting people apart from ministry and appointing leadership, Acts 13 and 14, uh, to get revelation, like I said, or to find some level of breakthrough. That's why people fasted biblically. Scriptures in the Bible says that. All right, now, if you can go to Luke 5, please. I want to ask another question that I will answer for you. From what position do we fast? Very important. Very, very, very important. First, if you go to Luke 5, let me first give you some background. When you look at the Old Testament, friends, excuse me, when you look at the Old Testament, we have to understand, I wrote you this, when we come to, with a general understanding, the Old Testament in regards to righteousness, righteousness simply means right standing with God. The Old Testament in regards to righteousness it's what you had to do to become righteous. Okay? That's the Old Testament, to have righteousness. It's what I had to do. I had to follow the law. I had to do these works. I had to do this. In the New Testament, Christ has performed it for you. So we have been made to be righteous so that we can become righteous. Let me explain. Bible says, Jesus who knew no sin became sin for us that it might become the righteousness of God for those in Christ Jesus. So, I'll read you this statement and I'll explain. I need to seek to understand what I've already become. That is New Testament living. I need to seek, now obviously God's at the center, not me, not us. But I need to seek what I've already become, what God has already given me, what God's already done on my behalf in order to become that. And I'll explain. Not what I have to do in order to be. Rather, who I already am, and then when I see that, I'll do. For example, I see righteousness. I see, wow, God made me righteous. Whether you see it or not, if you're saved, you're righteous whether you get revelation of it or not. But when you see it, when you seek, and when you see it, the revelation then will actually make you practically righteous. When you see what you've become, whatever, when you see the finished work, the work is finished, whether you see it or not, whether you've had a revelation, whether you agree with it, whether you, truth is truth. The work is finished. Done. It is finished, the Bible says. When you see the finished work of Christ, which is who you are, and all of a sudden, authority over the demonic, authority over your life, authority begins to arise within you. 
because you've seen it. So when you seek to see what he's already made you, you become it. Even though technically you're already it. You just don't know it. Hello? That's New Testament living. My dad says it's right, so that's wonderful. Thanks, Dad. You see what's been done. Now, why, friends? Why am I saying this? Why is this so important for us when it comes to fasting? Very, very important. I wrote this. Fasting changes us more than it changes God. I said this last week, and I'm just trying to give you some theological truth about this. We don't fast to twist God's arm. And everyone said, amen. So now let's look at the Bible. We don't fast to twist God's arm. We fast to position ourselves under what he wants and what he's going to do and so forth. It's a positional thing. It's not a, God, I'm trying to move you. That's not why we fast, friends. That's somehow a little bit of how they fast in the Old Testament and not in the New. I wrote you, fasting changes you more than it changes God. It's a key... It's a key that is given to us to find breakthrough, to bring a shift, to bring a change. But a lot of that shift, that change, that breakthrough happens in you. That's what it does. That's how it works. Now, one of the reasons for fasting in the Old Testament. Now, let me quickly I'm go through this fast. It's going to make you turn there. They can throw it up if they fast with the fingers. Leviticus, I think it's 16 verses 29 to 31, is one of the first times the Bible starts to speak about fasting. It doesn't use the word fasting. And I explained this last week. If you want to come with me, at me with this scripture afterwards, you're most welcome. Just bring a Bible. <laughs> when they said in the Old Testament to afflict the soul or to humble oneself, almost every time it's talking actually about fasting. It says, if you would humble yourself and pray. If you, and you, you go, go through the Bible, Psalm 69, Psalm 35, I humbled myself with fasting. Psalm 69, David, I chastened my soul with fasting. Now, on the Day of Atonement, can we do a little bit of theology quick? People say, oh, this guy always goes to Leviticus. It's good for you. Leviticus is fantastic. In Leviticus, it's often the law of the first mention. It's the hermeneutical principle of how to interpret the Scripture. Where was it first mentioned? You see, in Leviticus 16, it's the Day of Atonement. It's the one day a year that they used to kill the scapegoat, the blood would atone for their sin, right? And make them righteous. In the New Testament, obviously, Christ's blood shed once for all, we're all righteous. What's the point? He said, on the Day of Atonement, a lot of people don't know that on the Day of Atonement, they used to have to fast. It says, this is a day that I have chosen for you to afflict your soul. That word afflict is translated humble, afflict, or submit. And it's actually talking about fasting. So, in the Old Testament, they understood we fast on the day when our sin is forgiven each year by the blood of bulls and goats so we can be righteous. Because of the, that's why we do it. And in fact, if you don't believe me, Acts 27, verse 9. When the Bible interprets itself, it's the best, yeah? Acts 27, 9, it calls the Day of Atonement the Day of the Fast. So that's telling you they fasted on the Day of Atonement. Okay, next verse or the one before that. Oh, that's the NIV, yeah. In the original Greek, I'll read it to you. <laughs> now I have to read it. You don't believe me. Good to know the Greek and Hebrew, right? 
Amen. Someone said amen. It actually is. If you're a preacher, you've got to know it. Thank you, Marina. She's from Greece. Acts 27, 9. When much time had been spent, the sailing was dangerous because the fast was over. Speaking about the Day of Atonement. Now, why is this so important? In the Old Testament, they fasted towards righteousness. In the New Testament, you fast from righteousness. Very different, friends. Very, very, very different. Luke 18, Jesus tells a parable. He says, two people, came, two people come and say, the one is a tax collector, the one is a Pharisee. And the Pharisee stands and says, I have made myself righteous. Actually says that. I have made myself righteous by fasting. I fast twice a week, I give to the poor and I pray. I've made myself righteous by fasting. Jesus said, and the tax collector couldn't even pray, but in shame, he would look down, beat his chest, and say, help me, God. He said, it's the tax collector who goes home, and he uses the word justified. Talking about righteousness. Why? Because in the Old Testament, that was how they did it. Jesus is saying, it's not going to be the same. So, go to Luke 5. I think some of you are there. I've gone a few places since that. Are you with me? Wonderful. Why, friends? To liberate you. Sometimes you've got to go dig a bit in the scripture to actually be liberated by the scripture. Amen? Luke 5, verse 33. Then they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast and often make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said to them, famous verses. Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them, talking about while Jesus is on the earth? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. Why did Jesus not want the disciples to fast when he was there? It's a great question. Because he didn't want them to get accustomed to fasting in the Old Testament way. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece, now who knows these two verses, the piece of the garment and the wineskin? Who's heard this preaching? Okay, we've preached you know that this is, think about this. Jesus gave this answer in the context of fasting. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new one makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Whilst the new wine will be burst and the wineskins will be spilt and the wineskins will be ruined, we know what he's talk we're talking about. He's talking about the old the way of the old, the way of the new. I have opened the way, he said. I have made a new way. There is a new and living way. It's the way of the spirit, not the way of the letter. Amen? That, friends, contextually, is an answer about fasting. So when they said, why don't your disciples fast? Why don't they do what we've always done? Why don't they do it? Because the Pharisees at that point were fasting on every Monday and every Thursday. Why was the, what is the essence of fasting? To, to humble yourself, right? It had so flipped upside down that by the time of the Pharisees, fasting had brought spiritual pride. The essence of fasting was gone, was lost. And that is actually Truly, what Isaiah 58, which we're going to read, is about. Isaiah stood up, many scholars will say, on the Day of Atonement and preached the message on fasting. 
That's what Isaiah 58 is about. Because even back in Isaiah's day, they had already lost the essence of fasting, which we'll get into in a moment. But this is what Luke 5 is about. Jesus is saying, I have made them righteous. He says they will fast, but it won't look like it does now. They will fast under a new covenant, and they will do it in a new way. Now, it's still to humble oneself. That's never changed. But it's so that the spirit can soar. Derek Prince said this, God can humiliate a person. You know, if you say, God, humble me. Nowhere in the Bible does it, you be called to humble ourselves. God can humiliate a person, but only a person can make themselves actually humble. It's still to humble themselves, but it's so the Spirit can soar. In the New Testament, as I said, we place, we, we are called to be people of the Spirit. So what's the point? Friends, you can fast as often as you wish. You can fast as much as you want. Much as you want. And it can be like this. Lord, I'm coming up against something. So I just, you know, Lord, I'm coming up against something here. I want to humble myself and just humble myself before you bring breakthrough here. Lord, my wife and I, we're just fighting. You know what? I'm just going to humble myself. Lord, bring breakthrough. Whatever, Lord, I need some healing. I'm just choosing. Turn the key wherever the key is. Turn the key. It's been given as a key to you. But if you still fast towards righteousness... Lord, I'm fasting because, you know, I'm bad or whatever. I need to get something. I need to move you on my behalf. I need to, oh, come on, Lord. Doesn't have, you you are righteous. You are loved. You are accepted. The blood speaks on your behalf. You are justified. You don't fast for those reasons anymore. You fast from that place. Friends, let me ask you this. You go look at the Old Testament. Why am I giving you some theology? You go look at the Old Testament, and the people who really fasted are who's who in the Bible. Moses, David, Esther. Those, they, it's the who's who. If that's how powerful fasting is in the Old Testament, when they fasted towards righteousness, how powerful is fasting today in Christ when you fast from it? How powerful, friends. When you're not trying to earn, God qualified you. So we fast from a place of being qualified, being set apart, being righteous. How powerful is a fasted lifestyle? Jesus put fasting and prayer on the same level. Go to Matthew chapter 6. I hope this is helpful to you. Oh, it's wonderful. Thank you. Great. Just had to answer myself there. Go to, I'm just playing. Um, Matthew chapter 6. We don't have time to go into it, but verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. And he speaks about charity, generosity, giving. What did the Pharisees say? I give, I pray, and I fast. What is the next thing he covers? And when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners and in the streets that may be seen by men. They have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. Go down to verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may be appeared to men to be fasting. I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. What's the point? They're the same. He says, when you pray, he starts with a negative. Don't pray like this. 
Jesus preaching. It's a good sermon. When you pray, don't pray like this. Pray like this. When you fast, don't fast like this. First the negative, fast like this. So the disciples, their culture taught them they were forced by the law in their culture to be generous and to pray and to fast. But generosity, stayed generosity. Fasting, they saw Jesus fast, but it's not like, but when they saw him pray, they said there's a difference there. So what did they say? Lord, teach us how to pray. I think in this day and age, we absolutely need to say that, but we also need to say, Lord, teach us how to fast. Hello? I don't know what that noise is, but just ignore it. Lord, teach us how to fast. The Bible says, Jesus, Jesus identifies with your weakness because he became a man. What is the weak part of us? Our body and our soul. We are made up of what? Body, soul, and spirit. Jesus says he identifies with our weaknesses. He knows that the soul speaks three languages. I want. It's your will. Your soul is made up of your will, your emotions, and your intellect, your mind. So the soul speaks three languages. I want. I feel. What's the other one? Sorry? I think. I think. Well, I think this. Well, this is my opinion. I think. I want. I feel. I think. That's the language of the soul. The kingdom way. God, what do you think? What do you feel about this? What is your will? Not so that we're slaves. We're sons because his way is better. Always. The best way to find that track is fasting. That's why, isn't it interesting, when we talk about fasting, what's the first thing most people say? We did it this morning. Hunger. Because that's the first thing that happens. You know, the Bible didn't speak about that. The Bible says it's a way to afflict the soul, not just the body. The soul. <laughs> the soul. Because it brings mastery over the flesh. And the Bible says whatever you obey has a mastery over you. And the spirit begins to soar. And the flesh begins to uh, be quiet. And the spirit begins to soar. And God's kingdom and God's ways and God's breakthroughs and positioning yourself it becomes crisp, clear, easier, faster. Fasting remains the God-given way to live a life that is on fire for the Lord. That's the best way I can put it. To live a life that is on fire for God. Fasting. And this is why, verse 16 in Leviticus, chapter 16, that word to afflict can also be translated submit. I wrote here, soul, submit to the Spirit of God. There is a finished work. I am a new creation. I have the mind of Christ. I am in Christ. I am a spiritual being. And so it goes. And when you start to pray like that, when you start to fast like that, something begins to take place inside of you because fasting shifts and changes you more than it does him. So, are you still with me? Friends, why am I saying this? Because if you're anything like me, 
You want to know what the Bible says so that when you do something, you're not wasting your time. Hello? I became offended at fasting. I didn't realize this until recently. I became offended because I used to fast for all the wrong reasons. You know, as a young man, I was like, they're going to fast for four days. I'm going to fast for five. I mean, they're going to fast. Daniel fast? I'm going to do water. And I'd lose weight. See, look how good I'm looking. Friends, all the wrong reasons. Didn't really understand. And so there wasn't a lot of spiritual impact. I would always become sensitive to the Lord, regardless, even with the wrong motive, because your flesh dies. It'll still happen. But that breakthrough, that sense of life, didn't enter me. And it's like it actually ruined my metabolism, did all these bad things because there wasn't. And it's like I became offended with it. I said, well, fasting doesn't work. And I just realized I didn't even know that was inside of me. And as God's begun to open my heart to fasting, I thought, my goodness, God, this is your way. This is your way. It's a way to live a life on fire for the Lord, to be hungry, to be all these things that we so often look for. Isaiah 58, 1. We probably won't finish this. I'm just trying to give you some context. Isaiah 58, 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Now remember, this is Old Testament again. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They delight in approaching God. You know that's said in jest, almost in, uh, not sarcasm. It's a reference to 29.13. I'll quickly take you there. Throw up 29.13, please. Isaiah 29. I guess there's a lot of books in the Bible. Isaiah 29.13 says they delight in approaching God. Therefore the Lord says, so that comes in the context of this. Inasmuch as these people draw near, they approach with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. What's the point? These people fear me because they're told they have to. These people love me because they're told they have to. These people worship me because they're told they have to. There's no heart. And so Isaiah stands up on the day, Isaiah 58, and says, on the day of atonement, they're all fasting. He says, is this the fast that I've chosen for you to afflict your soul? You delight in approaching me, he says. He says, they, they, they take delight in approaching God. And why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls, the day of atonement, and you have taken no notice? And then he says, well, in fact, in the day of your fast, you'll find pleasure. Because what they would do, they would fast and beat all their laborers and beat all their slaves to work extra hard because they weren't helping them. And they would, they had already at this point lost the point of fasting. <laughs> so Isaiah stands up and says, it's a heart issue. It's not just push the button on the machine, okay, fast, kill the goat, get the blood, we're righteous for another year, off we go, go back to what we're doing. Because God's not a vending machine. Across every single covenant of Scripture, God has reached out to man for relationship. And fasting is one of the keys that we get to turn. Say, Lord, I humble myself before you. Change me, touch me, show me yourself, help me, bring breakthrough, bring life, bring hunger, show me your word. Fasting. That's why he says, and you explode all the laborers 
strike not. He says here, verse 4, You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. That's Old Testament. We do not fast to make God hear our voice. We fast so that we can hear his voice again in our hearts. Because the blood speaks a bit. The, we, the way has been opened. So we're not fasting. God, you know, if we could just afflict ourselves enough so that, you, I don't know, feel sorry for us and act on our behalf or do something to manipulate you a little bit. Oh, look how hard they're trying. No, the way's open. Change me, Lord. Position me. Show me again. Bring clarity. Show me your kingdom ways. We begin to get into the, the promises that accompany fasting. But I think we'll leave it there for today. Fasting is extremely powerful. I encourage you with that basic understanding. It took a long time to give you a very... You don't fast towards righteousness. You fast from it. it is, it's a simple thing. If Jesus taught on it so much... We think, well, yeah, we know that. Friends, if Jesus taught on it, surely it's more than what we think we know. It's so powerful. Fasting. When done from the right place, it brings liberty. That's why it doesn't, it's not, well, how long did you fast? Yeah, that chart is true. If you fast longer, just in the natural, just in the kingdom, things will begin to shift. Things, that's what Derek Prince said. Don't start there. Start with a meal. Start with a day. Because it's about a fasted lifestyle, not just, he said, but, you know, if you did fast a week, it would probably change the course of your life. As a fact. I've told the story before. I fasted, I don't know how long it was. It was a long time. Probably felt like a year. It was like, 18 or 21 days or something. And it wasn't the whole time water. I built up to it. I started with fruits and vegetables, then juice, then I went to water because I knew with my coffee habit that detox would have been too intense. So I just kind of took it a little easy. But I fasted with an objective. God, I want you to open my eyes to the things of the Spirit. I want to see into the Spirit realm. That was my desire. And he didn't do that. But he did something way more important. I just didn't know it was important. It was on the 18th day. I'll never forget it. I had gone and camped up on a mountain in April. I hadn't taken a lot of you know, warm stuff because I thought it was April, spring, and there was a freak snow, and I was freezing. I literally put on, and you're really cold because you haven't eaten. So I, put on, I had to wake up and put on everything that I brought, layers, and then my sleeping bag, and then you know everything. I was just freezing. It was just a terrible night. And uh, so I'm like, Lord, this, isn't, this is not working. I'm not happy at all, you know. I'm not enjoying this at all. And uh, so I'm there thinking, you know, you have this romantic picture of Elijah and Moses on the mountain. I'm just going to go up the mountain and just me and God, we're going to have dinner. It's going to be, well, that was not happening. And I, I go, and my dad warned me. He said, you're going to go pray for three or four days? He said, you might come home after a day. <laughs> he said, don't feel bad. <laughs> he said, you know, he just gave me some warning. Well, I toughed it out for a couple of days. On the third day, I was fasting and praying and making a fire, and I'm complaining. I'm dragging logs over. I'm like, God, I'm freezing. I have to build a fire, which means I have to carry all the stuff. I already have no energy. So I'm like complaining, you know. And I drag all these logs, and I make this fire. Then I'm like, oh, I don't want to burn the woods down, so now I've got to carry rocks. And oh, it's just a long, long day. 
So I'm doing this, you know, me in the wilderness kind of deal, trying to be like Moses. And all of a sudden I start reading the Bible and I feel this weight, physical weight on my back, like a weight, like Pilgrim's Progress. And I feel it just lift off me. And I actually move, I move, I sat up without wanting to, just lift it off of me. And the Lord said to me in my heart, he just, I felt like he said, the fear of man. And I've shared before how God, I was crippled with insecurity for many years. That day it changed. He said, I'm taking the fear of man off you. You will never struggle with it like again. Now, obviously, we all have normal fear of man, but it was like demonically empowered. He said, and that day changed. Just changed. Boom. Just like that. And that's a far bigger breakthrough than what I was looking for. I just didn't know it at the time. I was like, fear of man, really? I mean, oh, great, thanks. But <laughs> I got home and my dad said, well, how'd it go? You know. I said, yeah, you know, remove the fear of man. My dad, who was not a crier, he tears in his eyes. He said, you have no idea what God did for you. Friends, fasting, it's, a, it's an access that is given you. Use it. <laughs> Use it. It's not a legalism thing. It's not to make you righteous. It's not to make you holy. It's the new and living way to an all-powerful God. Amen? I encourage you. Stay encouraged. Stay strengthened. Now, you, when you fast, fast with expectation and faith. <laughs> 